Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So this week, I want to carry on a little bit in the theme, just taking this on. And I want to speak about spiritual intelligence and the stupid gene. All right, spiritual intelligence and the stupid gene. You know, um, the word stupid is possibly the, one of the meanest and most hurtful words that can be spoken. It's kind of one of those words, it seems quite innocuous. You can, you can just say, oh, you're just stupid. Um, but it has, this, it has this sort of resonating force which seems to actually go beyond that you're just stupid. I remember when I was as a kid at school... Um, I, um, I got into secondary school. I'm the youngest of six kids. So um, our family had a reputation. And uh, I had to keep that reputation up. One of those was not attending classes. And uh, so, um, so I got into school. And as I'm going in, um, I remember I was in my first, uh, first year. And I remember this teacher coming in. And she just took me out the class. Um, and she took me out the class because one of my brothers had struggled, actually, most of my brothers had struggled with various forms of dyslexia. They didn't un- call it that then. Um, but and so he had gone into um, um, what they called remedial classes, which is basically a class for thick kids. And, and so they, they took them, but the kids who were in there were from a range of different reasons why they were thick. Um, I don't know whether any of them were actually thick, but we were classified that and so um, and so he'd been in this class and so because he had been in that class I was put in that class they're going oh you're an Upton <laughs> you go to remedial and uh, there was this sense of being stupid There's, there was this kind of like they didn't call you stupid not even, even then um, but you knew what they were saying um, it, it has this sort of resonation even when it says I remember um, a while back, I, I can't even remember what I did. I did something clumsy, um, and, and somebody just said, oh, stupid. It just came out. And what shocked me, it was that it wasn't the word stupid or shocked me my clumsiness. It was how much it resonated inside of me that I didn't expect it to. It's, it's amazing how much words can, you don't expect them to resonate. You, you think you can handle that. Stupid is just a, a silly word that we bounce around, but it's amazing how it just keeps bouncing around inside of you and you're thinking to yourself I don't even know why this is bothering me um, you know the uh, Heidi um, she's having a great time in Australia by the way and uh, we're not really that happy about that but um, yeah. <laughs> there's only so much joy you want someone to have before you're like no 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 you come home now and uh, so <laughs> so um, Heidi works um, in a place called Four Martins, and uh, it's uh, it's uh, just a very nice sort of coffee shop, and and um, they have all sorts sort of um, uh, food, etc., which has been grown in the local area. It's it's all very nice, and and they have these these people, and there's this couple that go there, uh, and they call the woman there Mrs. Stupid, and they it's her nickname. It's, they don't call it to her face, of course, and uh, so it's her nickname not because she's stupid, but because she calls everyone stupid. So, 
And, and they kind of used to really kind of like be kind of really troubled. They'd be like, every time she walked in, oh, here she comes. Because she would have these very exacting standards which she expected everyone to get. So if you didn't make the coffee right, and she was just, oh, don't be stupid. Now, I knew this, I know this lady, um, and I had never, she'd never called me stupid, although she had pointed out to me once while I was cycling, pushing my bicycle up a hill when I met her walking down that, I mean, she's like, kind of in her late 70s and she goes you should be cycling up that hill I was cycling up that hill up until five years ago and I'm and, I'm, and, and you know you can hear the word stupid can't you go it's just you, you, I'm walking away you know and I'm pushing it up the hill and uh, so um, yeah yeah so the, here's, a, here's a lady and she just calls everyone stupid and, and uh, I actually bumped into her in the coffee shop and so I introduced her to, to Heidi, uh, and uh, suddenly, suddenly everyone became friends because I was that sort of I knew her from um, just sort of meeting her, walking the dog, and and Heidi uh, knew her just because of what names she called people, and so we were able to kind of you know create a relationship where, uh, and uh, now Heidi doesn't get called stupid anymore, and uh, so but other people do, and uh, so. But it's amazing how this, this is sort of sense because actually the one thing that we don't ever want to be is stupid. The one thing we want to be is smart. Every, everybody wants to be smart. And, and we, we live in a, in a structured, organized society that is, is organized in such a way that, that you have to show some level of intelligence to get on. You, you've got to, more today than ever before, you've got to have... A, uh, an exam paper. You've got to have your your uh, degrees. You've got to go to university so that you can work in a shop. And you've got you've got to you know. I just left school, worked in a shop, you know. But now you've got to have a degree to do it. And uh, so it's like there, you've got to you've got to show that you're intelligent enough. There's a and so everyone wants to be smart. But the, this morning I want to speak about a spiritual intelligence which sits counter to the stupid gene that exists in all of us. And I want to go with me, will you, to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And we're going to have a look at Saul. Saul was a smart man. He was a man who wasn't just intelligent intellectually, but he was also emotionally intelligent. And I, I'm going to have a we'll talk about that as well. There was actually um, a guy called Daniel Goleman who, who wrote a book, I think it was in the late 90s, it was called emotional intelligence. How many of you read that book? If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it, especially if you haven't passed any exams, because when you read that book, you'll feel vindicated and intelligent. And, and you'll suddenly discover that intelligence isn't just intellect, but it's also emotion. Uh, one of the key things that I, point, I picked it out, I noticed that, that um, people who run organizations um, have much more intellectually intelligent people working for them. It's not the most intelligent people, intellectually intelligent, that, sit, that, that run things. It's the most emotionally intelligent that lead. And I felt very vindicated. And uh, I thought, oh, I am intelligent. And, and so, but here we want to have a look at Saul. And Saul was intellectual and he was emotional. He was intelligent in all of these things. And so we have here 1 Samuel 15 and verse um, we're reading from verse 7, just to give you a background. Samuel, the 
prophet had spoken to Saul a word from the Lord which said, go and kill King Agag and the Amaleks. Now, Agag was a gangster rapper and he had this band called the Amaleks. And, and, they were, they, and he had all these groupies and, and roadies that travelled with them called the Amalekites. And, uh, and they were bad people. They just did drugs and everything. They, they killed people. And, and they were really bad. And God said, I don't like this gangster rapper. And I don't like um, the, the Amaleks. And so I think you need to go and just take them all out. Okay? So that's what, that's what Saul had to do. Yeah, that's what went down. And so... <laughs> I need help with some of these analogies. I'm not, I'm not quite there as much as I think I am. And so in verse 7 it says, And so Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag. And the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. In verse 10 it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Now, Saul was chosen as a man of God because he was a great leader. He was tall, he was handsome, he was intelligent, he was inspirational, and he understood the people. He not only understood the people, but he understood the kind of the, the political play between men around him. He understood what was required for him to just, not just lead the people, but to look good leading the people. He understood all of that kind of just that human nature thing that goes on uh, amongst people and all of that political play. We've seen a lot of politics this last few weeks. To be honest with you, I'd like to not hear politics just for a little while. It'd be like, you know, guys, I know you've got a lot to talk about. Just do it somewhere else. And, uh, but what we see is a lot of political play. We just see a lot of people doing their best to try and just look good, say the right thing, not be misinterpreted, get their message across, etc., etc. They're all trying to do it. Saul was one of those guys. He was politically minded. He was emotionally smart. He understood all of these things. But he was a man also that had been touched and anointed by God. He was appointed by God. He had prophesied with the prophets. He had gotten amongst the the prophets and just prophesied on one occasion. He just prophesied all day. He was just giving out prophetic. He had no idea what was happening to him. He was just prophesying. It It was an amazing moment in his life. And it kind of became part of the marker. They would look at the king and go, yeah, you know what? He's also pretty good at prophecy. He's also a man of God. You know, there's a God factor. He's anointed for what he does. And here is a man that, that knew he was anointed, knew he was a leader, and was leading his people. The first time that the nation of Israel had a king, and they were kind of beginning to get a sense of, yeah, we're the people, and we, we don't like rappers, gangster rappers. We don't, we don't, we're going to take them out. And uh, so they, here they are, and so they're, they're just 
in this place where that Saul he's, he's been ordered by God to go and take out but in the process he makes an intelligent decision that is framed around his own human thinking and not about what God had told him to do you see there is an uh, emotional intelligence there is a intellectual intelligence but there is a spiritual intelligence and spiritual intelligence is understanding the voice and the word of God and knowing how to apply it to the everyday circumstances that are going on around and so what happened to Saul is suddenly he just kind of made a re-evaluation it says they were unwilling to get rid of the good stuff but they utterly destroyed the rubbish stuff well that's you know, that's like all of us, isn't it? I mean, if you're going to do a house clearance, you go through the house and go, yeah, I don't even know why we kept hold of this stuff. That's just right. You know when you, you clear out your garage, how many people have ever cleared out a garage or a cupboard? And you go through the cupboard and you've been storing stuff for a long time. And when you, it's only when you clear it out, you realise that most of what you were storing was garbage and you didn't know, you don't even know why you've got it. And you're going, oh, that's going in the bin, that's going in the bin, that's going in the bin. Oh, this is good. I'll keep that in the cupboard. <laughs> I don't know why I'm keeping it, but I'm keeping it in the cupboard. I've got no place for it in the home. It's not particularly practical, but it's nice. It's going in the cupboard. So you take it out the cupboard, you look at it, you put it back in the cupboard, but the other stuff that was around it, that's rubbish. We'll get rid of that. I'll keep the good stuff. And so Saul and his guys, they looked at Agag and they thought, well, you know what? We didn't really like his music, but he's a dude, so we're going to keep him. We're going to keep Agag because, you know, um, he's obviously got, you know, some kind of presence. He's got something about him that we just didn't want to kill him. But we're we're going to keep the best stuff that he had, but we'll get rid of everything else. That is intelligent as far as a man is concerned. He made a smart political move. He made a smart emotional move. He made a smart intellectual move but he made the worst mistake of his whole life because he wasn't spiritually intelligent he just revealed his stupid gene right there he made a choice that was based on his own wisdom and not the wisdom of God if you go further down into verse 22 it says this Samuel says in in verse 22 it says has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of the rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft or for rebellion is the stupid gene and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you've rejected the word of the Lord. You've also reject you are also he has also rejected you from being king so what does this really mean what is it what does it really mean to be spiritually intelligent because we know that to obey the bible says is better than sacrifice see what what Saul did was oh we'll keep them we'll keep the sheep and we'll sacrifice them to the lord great isn't it it's very pious I'm going to create this 
spiritual monument. I'm going to create this spiritual event, and we're going to we're going to worship the Lord. And and um, when he met Samuel, he he met he was just so full of himself that he set up a he'd already set up a sort of a, an altar of you know celebrating his great leadership. And he meets Samuel, the anointed one, and and he's going to minister with Samuel. And Samuel just cuts him down to size, and really and really disciplines him. And and Saul isn't getting it because Saul is no longer listening to the voice of God. He's not hearing or communicating with God. He's, he's basing all his decisions based on his feelings and all of his senses and all of his emotions because he's doing all of those things because that's what the stupid gene is. You see, we all have the stupid gene. The stupid gene is not understanding the intelligence that comes from God. See, God has got for us a lifestyle. Now, let me ask this question. Does God just want you just to obey Him? I mean, it's not just about obeying. If obeying Him was the, was the question, then, then all He needs is slaves, right? All He needs is people just, 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 do, what I, just do what I tell you to do. Don't think. That can't be right. It can't, God didn't create us to, to not think. At the end of the day, He gave you a brain to think. He created us to understand. He created us to communicate in this process. And what happened is that we have to understand that... See, Saul showed his stupid gene when he tried to tick the spiritual box instead of knowing the spiritual God. He... He tried to tick the spiritual box instead of knowing the spiritual God. You see, God doesn't want us to just do what He tells us to do. He wants us to know who He really is. But we have to do what He tells us to do so that we can walk on the pathway to find who He really is. You see, He doesn't want us to be dumb in our process. He wants us to be intelligent in understanding that relationship of who we really are. You see, God made us to be spiritually intelligent. He made us to have a relationship with us that He might talk with us and communicate with us. Now go with me quickly to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read you this. It's always good to go back to the beginning, isn't it? If you want to find out what's going on. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let me just pause there. That's God making us spiritually intelligent. Dominion over all of these things means man has intelligence to understand how to rule and reign across the face of the earth and know how the earth works that we may take care of it. Alright? That's a smart brain. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. I think they're trying to get a message across here. He made him, male and female, he created them. What did he make us like? He made us like God. Adam was like God. He was human, but his thoughts, his communication, 
his feelings, his reasoning, his concepts, his dreams, his desires, his emotions were all filtered and processed through his spiritual intelligence of God-like nature. He was like God. God created man to be like him. When you go to a place, to a, maybe you go to a party, or if you've ever been somewhere on your own and you didn't know anyone, who's ever done that? You can walk into a room and you don't know anyone. You just walk in. I mean, that happens in church all the time. You come to a new church and you're like, don't know, there's probably some of you here. You come and you're going, okay, don't know anyone. What you're looking for is this. Someone you can identify with so they can be your friend. We do it all over the world. I've traveled all over, all over the world. And this is why, and we, we, we break it down into we look for people that we look, we look, what do we do? We look into their eye to see if there's something familiar, something we can recognize in each other that gives us something to talk about, something to communicate with. But more than that, just initial hi, this is my name, this is your name, what do you do? I do this, I do that. What we're really looking for is something that will connect to friendship so that they know that one, I've got a friend, two, I've found someone I can trust, three, I've got someone who I can just go through life with. So I can journey this part of my life, I can go through life, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for friendship, I'm looking for relationship, I'm looking for life which is a little bit deeper than just knowledge. God made man in his image so that when he walked upon the, in the earth and he walked on the garden, he looked, saw all the animals, he saw all the um, elephants and the, the bison. We watched... Um, on radio, uh, BBC Three last night, the um, Yellowstone. We saw it on that, and we've seen it before. They've got the wolves and they've got the bison, just these monstrously huge, stunning creatures. Beautiful. But, but God looked at Dyson, at Dyson. <laughs> I'll clean up this mess. <laughs> I wonder if he took a Dyson behind the bison. <laughs> oh, this one's full. Yeah. <laughs> God, God, he would look at bison and he would have nothing. He would no relation. There's nothing there, other than I made that. It's good, but there's not a relationship. God walks into the garden and he's looking for his friend. He's looking for the one. It says of Abraham that God. That God, that Abraham responded in faith, he was a friend of God. In other words, he had God's mind, he had a relationship with God. God created Adam to have a relationship with him, to be spiritually intelligent. He said of Adam, Adam, I've made you, you're like me, now you name the animals. You, you decide how this earth is working on what they should be called. And so Adam, because of his God-like nature, was able to creatively speak over the animals to determine their nature and their personality. What they were there to do. Adam was involved in that creative process. Why? Because he was like God. And when he was like God, he was smart. But something happened in the garden. And Adam took on the stupid gene. And when he took it on, let's just read on. In verse 9, 
sorry, Genesis 3 verse 9 says, Then the Lord called Adam and said to him, Where are you? That's amazing, isn't it? Where are you? See, God knew where he was. Lord called to Adam and said, Where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Now, Adam stopped thinking like God the moment he started thinking he could do something beyond God. On his own. The moment he rejected the purposes of God, he stopped thinking like God. And once he'd stopped thinking like God, he was no longer like God. God comes into the garden and says, Adam, where are you? See, he knows what has happened to Adam, but he can't see Adam anymore because Adam is no longer there. He created Adam to be like him, but no longer is there a man in the garden like God. He's looking for Adam, but Adam isn't there. There is another Adam there, and this Adam is not the Adam that he created. This Adam is a man that has changed. He doesn't have God-like. His God nature isn't revealed anymore. God is looking for his friend and his friend isn't there. Because he's now got his stupid gene in full swing. And we know that he's got his stupid gene on because he's now working Adam. God says, where are you? And Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked so I hid myself and God says who told you Adam for the first time in the history of man was now thinking from his five senses without God just on his own you see when we think just out of our senses but we don't think with God first we respond out of fear we respond, who told you, Adam? Who decided? No one told Adam that he was naked. No one told him he had to be afraid. He made it up all by himself. And from that emotion, he made a decision to do something that was not what God purposed. You know what? We spend a lot of our time making decisions out of fear, being res- responding to a fear environment, responding to an environment out of anger, out of emotion, out of response. We respond out of our senses and not of our knowledge and relationship with God. And we end up coming to this point where we just don't, we, we end up making stupid decisions. Now this is the thing about the stupid gene. Everyone can see everybody else being stupid, but we can't see ourselves. That's the funny thing about achieving. Let's boil it down to the funny things, right? Who's afraid of spiders? Okay, that is stupid, isn't it? We know it's stupid. We laugh at everybody else who's afraid of spiders. We look at them and they'll go, Ooh, I'm afraid of spiders. Oh, like, it's just a spider. I mean, it's this big. It doesn't matter whether it could kill you. You can still kill it. It doesn't matter whether it's got fangs like that and poison could squirt into your eye. It's still tiny. You can still kill it. But it can't do any of those things. All it can do is creep. (laughs) And when you see someone responding unreasonably to something, 
You look at them and you just go, stupid. (laughs) When you see someone getting angry, and you see them getting boiled up and more angry, and you're looking at it and going, stupid. (laughs) We can see the stupid gene all working. But they are making decisions based based on their senses, their feelings, their emotions, because they've disconnected their relation. They're no longer talking to God, and they don't have the reasoning and capacity to make the right decisions because they're basing it out of fear, out of, out of um, all of the, the, the process of the mind, and not out of who we're created to be. And the moment we do that, we lose our God nature. God came looking. The Bible says in, in Isaiah 59, I came looking for a man, but I found no one. What didn't he find? There was plenty of men. Plenty of men in the temple. Plenty of men that loved God. What didn't he find? He could not find a man with spiritual intelligence. He could not find a man like him. And that's who he created. I mean, that's what we were designed to be. And so he said, so I sent my son, my own son, to come and to be that man that he may stand in the gap and bring man back, that all of us may reflect the nature and the the process of who we are, to be like God again. That's who we were created to be, like God. Isn't that extraordinary? We've so separated ourselves from that, that we've tried to boil it down to, if I can just do this, or if I can just... You were created to be like God. That's what God created. What does it make me God? No. No, we're not saying that you're going to be God. That's something altogether. I watched a movie on Friday night called Lucy. How many of you have seen that movie? It's, a, it's quite a cool movie. It's very intelligent. Uh, it's, um, it's a great message for uh, evolution um, and uh, humanism. And it basically, the message basically goes, without ruining the movie, the, basic, the, the, the story goes like this, that you're just human, you don't really use your brain. But if you use your brain to its full capacity, you will become like God. You will become God, in fact. Omnipresent. I just ruined the movie. Anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. And... Uh, but I felt, yeah, yeah, I felt that you should know. And, uh, <laughs> but that's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible how this, and it's, it's you know, it's an all right movie. I, I prefer movies that got more chase and more excitement. It wasn't exciting enough. So, but it's like, the story is basically, that's humanism. You can be intelligent, um, but if you're really intelligent, you're actually, that's where, that's the God nature. God is in you, not out there. We are not God. We are dependent on God. And when we're dependent on Him, we are like Him. My sons are like me. In fact, there's a photograph Cheryl posted of me, age 23, just a year after we got married, um, on, uh, for our wedding anniversary last week. And uh, she posted it on, there was this comments, oh, that looks like Joe. Um, and, uh, and there was comments, I thought Joe looked like Cheryl, but I realized he looks like you. Yeah, kind of, you know, he's our son, you know. <laughs> you know, it's a relief. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, 
And, you know, that's, that's the, you know, he's like us because he, he's ours. God created us to be like him and he is determined to restore us to the nature of who we were called to be. Now, this is a question. How do I restore spiritual intelligence? How do I get spiritual intelligence? How do I get the God nature flowing out of my life again? The Bible says that Jesus came to baptize us in the, with fire and with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you become filled. There is a point when you are filled with the Spirit of God. The nature of the Holy Spirit comes to redeem and bring forth God nature. That's part of our our walk. Now, I'm going to wrap this message up because I want you to see this. It says here in in Galatians chapter 5, and I'm just going to race through a few verses. If we can finish this off in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Or we could say, walk like God. And you shall not fulfill the lusts of the stupid gene. For the stupid gene lusts against the nature of God. And the nature of God against the stupid gene. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. How many of you live with regret right there? But if you are led by the Spirit, the nature and the type of God, you are not under the law. You're not under the law. You're not under any obligation because you are now being led by spiritual intelligence. Let me go down to verse 22 because it then goes on to describe what the stupid gene does. And we know what it does. We we have our own memories of knowing what the stupid gene does. This is verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now listen, we were often taught that the fruit of the Spirit is the the ultimate life that you must go, that you work towards. I want to become like the Spirit of God. I want to have love and goodness and kindness and patience and long-suffering. I want, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is as if this is the epitome of the Christian life. This is not the pinnacle of the Christian life. It's the beginning of the Christian life. When you're filled with the Spirit, you change and you allow the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit. Out of this fruit, the Spirit nature, the manifestation, the life of God begins to reveal Himself through you. We often feel powerless and we do so because we don't have power. Why don't we have power? Because our stupid gene is making our decisions rather than our spiritual intelligence, which is the Holy Spirit speaking into us. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are like God. That's why He saved you. You're like Him. In other words, you're His child. You're his precious creation. You can walk with him again. How do I become spiritually intelligent? I come back to the Holy Spirit. I say, I'm just going to walk in 
kindness again. I'm going to stop calling people stupid. (laughs) I'm going to walk in patience. I'm going to stop getting angry. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to stop rejecting others. I'm going to be long-suffering. I'm not going to place judgment on people around me. Well, you see, fruit of the Spirit is simply a decision. It's not a pinnacle. It's a foundation. With the foundation of the fruits of the Spirit, I can manifest the life of the Spirit. With the fruits of the Spirit, I can bring supernatural life and healing. With the fruit of the Spirit, I can bring a word of encouragement and a word of wisdom. With the fruit of the Spirit, I can bring life and I can minister and make decisions. With the fruit of the Spirit, I can make smart choices because my mind is no longer making decisions based on five senses. When Adam made his decision, when Adam said he was afraid, it was like disconnecting the computer from the internet and trying to work out what to do when all the software is online. He's no longer got the power. He's no longer got the software to make those decisions. And it's like the, the computer. It's just like, yeah, this thing ain't working. Adam invented his own troubles. He said, I was afraid. He, was a, he invented his own fear. He created it all by himself. You know what? You can look at your circumstances. Adam blamed God for giving him the woman. God said, Who did this to you? It was the woman. You gave her to me. It's her fault and it's your fault. Really, it's actually, it's just your fault. If you hadn't given her to me, then I wouldn't have had this trouble. Stupid, Jim. We make all sorts of excuses for the things that we do. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.